Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Dr. Mo Speaks. You're listening to episode seven, and the title of this episode is Violence Prevention for National Public Health Week. I am your host, Dr. Monique Brown, and the purpose of Dr. Mo Speaks is to raise awareness on health issues at the population level, to address these health issues at the individual level, and also to provide resources for these health challenges. This episode will focus on the violence prevention topics as put forth by the American Public Health Association for National Public Health Week. And those are centered around gun violence, intimate partner violence, and child abuse and neglect, and how we can prevent these um, issues of violence in our communities and at the population level. So Dr. Mo Speaks is being broadcasted on anchor.fm. Today is March 30th, 2019. And Dr. Mo Speaks is an extension of Brown Research Consulting Inc., but does not necessarily reflect the views of Brown Research Consulting Inc. or any other institution that I work for. So these views are my own. So let's get into the topics. But before we do so, I actually wanted to highlight. So this podcast is part of a collaboration that is being done um, among public health professionals um, across the U.S. So um, the community health topic will be um, focused on by Stephanie Hodges. I will talk about violence prevention and Stephanie Hodges um, runs the Nourished Principles. Sandra Melstead will focus on rural health on Wednesday and she leads SLM Consulting. Leah Roman from Roman Public Health Consulting will talk about technology and public health on Thursday. And Megan Faletra will address climate change and she leads the Well Essentials and this will be done um, on Friday. So this is an initiative that I'm a part of and I'm very grateful to be a part of this initiative. So violence prevention. So the violence prevention topic, as I stated, was put forth by the American Public Health Association. And the first topic that they wanted public health professionals to address was gun violence. And gun-related deaths include homicides and suicides. And I know I addressed this um, to an extent in my first um, podcast on trauma and health. And so just to recap um, some of the numbers, and some of these numbers actually um, weren't stated before. So let's talk about them briefly. So in 2017, there were 17,200, over 17,200 murders or non-negligent manslaughter cases in the U.S., Louisiana was um, had the highest rate of murders per 100 inhabitants at 12.4. 
right? And then New Hampshire was considered, quote-unquote, the safest city because they had um, just one murder per 100 inhabitants in the state. And then when we look at the raw numbers, and this makes sense if we look at the um, states with uh, a lot more people living in them. So California had the highest number of uh, murders at over 1,800. Texas was 14, um, 1,412 and Florida was 1,057. So those have the top three numbers of um, murders in 2017 or homicides in 2017. When we look at um, 2016, so now remember that we want to look at um, gun-related deaths. So in 2016, there were over 19,000 homicides in the U.S. And 14,000, so 75% um, of these deaths were actually by firearms, okay? And suicides, and remember I mentioned in episode one, in, in the episode on trauma and health, that suicides are actually much more common than homicides, but you know, for good or bad, these are not focused on in the media, so we're not really aware unless you look at the numbers. So in the US in 2016, there were close to 45,000 suicides, and 51% um, of these were by firearms okay so here we see that um firearms do contribute to majority of suicides and homicides okay and we cannot address gun violence especially in the united states we cannot address gun violence without talking about mass shootings and this is something that i have been thinking about and when i was asked to address violence prevention i i struggled with this because i knew this is something that i would have to address and this is something that's very sensitive and that may be a little hard to address but we cannot talk about violence prevention and not talk about mass shootings so in the u.s um i'm just going to talk briefly about and remind us if we have forgotten which i don't think we have about the mass shootings that occurred so in october 2017 58 people were killed in las vegas at the mandalay bay resort and casino in june 2016 49 people were killed at the pulse nightclub in orlando and i remember that very clearly because i was living in in florida um not too far from orlando at the time in april 2007 32 were killed at virginia tech in december 2012 27 were killed at sandy hook including 20 children in november 2017 26 were killed at a church in Sutherland Springs in Texas, and the list goes on and on and on, okay? But I, I figured I would stop there. And we have to think, and I don't have all the, all the, the answers, but we have to think, do we need to take a step and look at our gun laws that are in place? That's one. Two, do we need to take a step back and look at 
um, mental health services and access are these two of the things that will help us in preventing or even reducing the rate at which mass shootings, for example, are occurring? And I know some people are not convinced that mental health has anything to do with these mass shootings. But I, I beg to differ because when we look at the, the five that I just mentioned, these five incidents, right, at least three of the the people who did the shootings killed themselves and if you are in a state where you're killing over 20 people over 30 people over 50 people and you're turn then turning the gun on yourself okay that i believe has um a mental health component to it that is not the norm okay so we need to think about our gun laws is there something that needs to to be changed and how do we go about changing these if that's the case and what about mental health service services and mental health care access is there something that we need to do to improve this is there something that we need to do in order to identify people who are at risk of committing these mass shootings so these are these are questions that I would like us to consider if you're a public health professional, if you're just an individual listening to this, if you have been impacted by violence in your life, what are the how can we address these issues? What are the steps that we need to take in reducing um, gun violence, okay? And I just want to give um, another example. So just on March 15, 2019 so a couple weeks ago 50 people were killed in new zealand um at christ church right and this of this was streamed live on facebook can't believe it okay however in new zealand a week later reforms were being made to gun laws so i don't know if these laws are finalized i'm not a gun gun laws expert but i know that reforms were being made changes were being put into place to change the gun laws in that country so these are things so when these incidents have happened have these changes have changes been put into place to change the way um our regulations surrounding um surrounding firearms so these are just things, as I said, I don't have the answers, but these are just things I wish um, we would consider um, as individuals and as a population on how we can reduce um, gun violence. <clears throat> okay, so now I'm going to move to intimate partner violence. And intimate partner violence is also a sensitive issue. And you know, I want to say intimate partner violence. So whether this is psychological abuse, whether this is sexual abuse, whether this is um, physical abuse, whether it's stalking is never okay. And I, women are, of course, more 
they have um, more women are impacted by intimate partner violence compared to men but men are also victims whether men are in uh same-sex relationships or whether they are in heterosexual relationships same thing for women women in same-sex relationships women in heterosexual relationships are affected okay and so when we look at the statistics one in four women one in nine men experience severe intimate partner violence sexual violence from an intimate partner and stalking one in three women and one in four men experience physical violence from an intimate partner 10 percent of women have been raped by an intimate partner and when we think about intimate partner violence affecting men and women we also have to think about dating violence dating violence for adolescents and young adults who may not be who may not be married or even adults who may not be married but experience um intimate partner violence from their you know living partners or partners who they don't live with this is a real problem okay and when we think about intimate partner violence not only are people who are in the relationships affected but their families are affected as well so for example gun presence okay so we're going back to the the gun violence gun presence has been shown to increase deaths in a domestic violence situation by 500 percent 500 percent gun presence and when we think about people who die in intimate partner violence situations 20 percent of people who die are not the intimate partners themselves 20 percent of people die of people who die in these situations are the family members who care are law enforcement officers who may be trying to um, address a situation at hand law enforcement officers families and friends who may get involved who may um, share advice to someone to maybe leave a relationship for example these people are also impacted so when someone is in an intimate partner um when is when someone has experienced intimate partner violence they are not the only ones who are at risk of dying or of being hurt family members also sometimes put themselves at risk and also sometimes you know they just find themselves in situations because they are associated with someone in such a situation so these are things that we also need to consider and remember when sometimes intimate partner violence starts small a lot of times it starts small it doesn't start really from somebody just hitting you you know across your face or it doesn't usually it doesn't start there it starts usually from psychological abuse from a lot of um someone trying to control you and it just works from there a lot of times it just works it just gets worse and worse and worse okay and another so in terms of preventing intimate partner violence 
I would encourage healthcare providers to screen screen for intimate partner violence not only for your new patients and i don't understand why healthcare providers do not screen routinely maybe there are healthcare providers out there who do prob they probably do but i think some healthcare providers do not screen routinely for experiences of intimate partner violence so then hopefully they can provide resources for their patients or for people who they care for so for example if i'm seeing a physician for the first time and they ask me are you a, a, a victim of intimate partner violence? Am I likely to tell my physician the first time I meet him or her that yes, I am a victim? Or am I more likely to tell him or to let him or her know that yes, I am a victim after we've established a physician-patient relationship for some time, after we have built rapport in our physician-patient relationship? Then is when I would be more likely to tell you, you know, what something is happening i don't feel safe so health healthcare providers need to screen routinely not just new patients but screen routinely um, for intimate partner violence their male patients and their female patients right and when we talk about violence we also have to think about children who are exposed to domestic violence I have heard from um, people who are close to me and even in my my situation where you know the things that you see in the home whatever you see in the home good or bad a lot of times we tend to think oh maybe that's the norm so if children are exposed to domestic violence in the home they may think that's the norm if the father for example is beating on the mom then the son may think, oh, this is how I'm supposed to treat the woman I love, okay? Or the daughter may think, oh, this is how I'm supposed to be treated by the man who loves me, right? So children who are exposed are also at risk for so many other things later in life. And we talk about the life course approach, things that children are exposed to in their early years, I'm telling you, the research shows it. These things impact people throughout their lifetime, okay? So child abuse is never okay. Neglecting children is never okay. Exposing them to domestic violence is never okay, okay? So if you, so in terms of prevention, um, healthcare providers should screen. And if you are a victim of intimate partner violence, you also have to be careful how you leave the situation. Because a lot of times when people are in violent situations, they are at, they are at the highest risk when they decide to leave. So if you are in a violent situation, I encourage you to call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. 
7233 or you can uh, you can even talk to someone um via instant messaging on their website thehotline.org so please reach out to someone today and if you are a victim of sexual assault sexual violence i encourage you to call for support 1-800-656-HOPE that's 1-800-656-4673 okay and rain.org is the website r-a-i-n-n dot o-r-g is the website that you can go for more information and you can also um, talk to someone online if you do not want to call so these are some of the ways in which violence can be prevented there is also a care violence model that was highlighted by the american public health association which has shown to reduce gun violence in communities and so this is something that um we as public health professionals should think about and if you're community advocate this is something also that you can look into the care violence model and also sometimes the more traditional programs may help to reduce child maltreatment so home visiting programs and you know i know if you're a healthcare provider for a child please screen screen to ensure that children are not being abused are not being neglected and if they are take the right measures um based on of course your training take the right measures to to try to prevent child abuse and neglect and child maltreatment okay so I know we've addressed a lot today. We've addressed a lot today. We've addressed gun violence. We've addressed intimate partner violence. And we've addressed child abuse and neglect. None of, none of these are never okay. And we've provided resources. So thank you so much for listening. And we still have a lot of work to do. We still have a lot of work to do. We have to, you know, in summary, we have to examine our gun laws we have to examine mental health care services and access and how we can improve those to reduce um gun violence in our communities and in our country and in our world and also um intimate partner violence Healthcare providers need to screen for that, okay? For child abuse and neglect. Healthcare providers need to screen for it. If you know a child is being abused, if not in your household, if a not if if that is in another household, please, please, please do the right thing and ensure that, you know, and sometimes when we think about you know children being taken from their homes that's also a very it's very traumatic but should the child remain being abused but then there's a whole nother um another you know layer of challenges that may come with that but if you know somebody who is at risk or somebody is being if a child is being abused because you know children are vulnerable populations so if you know that someone is being abused especially someone under 18 then please address this please address this um and take the right measures report it and you know hopefully and hopefully the right the right people will step in and um that that 
situation will be improved. And once again, abuse is never okay. If you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're a child, it's never okay. And so just take the the right measures to protect yourself, to protect your family, and to protect those around you who you love. Thank you so much for listening to Dr. Mo Speaks. I am Dr. Monique Brown, and you can reach me through email, drmospeaks at gmail.com. Um, you can also check out my website, brownresearchconsulting.com. Remember, we provide um, grant writing support. We provide editing services um, for any um, written documents that you may have. And we also provide research support in um, pretty much any arena of research or, or publication. And you can reach me on Instagram, Dr. MJ Brown on LinkedIn, Dr. Monique J. Brown. On Facebook, we have our Brown Research Consulting page and on Twitter, Dr. MJ Brown. Thank you so much for listening and hope that you will continue supporting Dr. Mo Speaks as I continue to share on public health issues at the population and individual levels. Thank you.